It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson, and happy Monday to all of you. It is going to be a great day. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me two of my favorite people. Helen Raleigh, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Kim. And Annette Jewell, it's great to have you here as well. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. You bet. Uh, Second segment, Annette, we'll be talking with you about something that's been happening in your neighborhood uh, regarding rezoning. This is really something that's kind of complicated, but it's it's important that people understand it, and so it's great to have you here. And then, Helen Raleigh, uh, your recent piece in The Federalist that you did regarding Hong Kong's withdrawal of the extradition bill Mm -hmm. uh, leaves many questions unanswered. It's an excellent piece. And, uh, you know, it's really important for freedom uh, as we take a look at that issue. So it's great to have both of you here. Thank you so much. In studio on a Monday morning, Steve, they they should uh, get a prize, shouldn't they? Absolutely. And I should get a prize. (laughs) Every Monday you say a happy Monday. Oh. Mondays are probably, of course, you're up early. I mean, you're in here like four o'clock, aren't you? I couldn't sleep past two this morning. So, yeah, I was here at four. I got a lot done and that's good, but still. (laughs) So all of us need a trophy. We all need it. Yeah. Well, we don't just give trophies because just because we give trophies because of excellence. And that's why you guys would get that. So for today, though, let's jump in here. A couple of things. Next week, next Monday night, is the Nuts and Bolts event that I'm doing with Jason McBride and Jeff Hirsch, who is the author of the Stock Traders Almanac. It's going to be over at Water's Edge Winery, do so many fabulous events there. And people will learn a lot at Nuts and Bolts. We're always working to educate. And so go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up. It's going to be a super event. And then at the end of the week, I'm going to be up at Grand Lakes U.S. Constitution Week. I'll be up there Friday night for the meet and greet with Kevin Sorbo, who you may know him as the as Hercules. He is one of the few conservative actors in Hollywood. Uh, there are there are many there. We just maybe don't know about them because it's difficult to raise your hand on Sam and conservative in Hollywood. And Kevin Sorbo does that. Um, we're going to do a really fun uh, draw uh, uh, drawing on this. Uh, you can get four tickets to the meet and greet uh, with Kevin on Friday night, which is the, gosh, I should have the date here. That is the 22nd, isn't it? Uh, no, no, no. It's on the, Friday's the 20th. Okay, there we go. It's Friday night, the 20th. And then VIP seating at the main event the next day. It's going to be a great day. There's a parade, the main event. Uh, a fabulous uh, music festival. The Kansas City Barbecue is going to be there with a competition, and that is on Saturday the 21st. And uh, so, uh, the value of these tickets is $300, so if you'd like to sign up for the drawing, go to my website. You can sign up there. And uh, so it should be a lot of fun. So, Steve, are you ready for the the uh, funnies today? 
Oh, actually, you know what? I didn't do the inspiration. I have to do that first. Yes. Okay. Protocol. Inspiration. And I was thinking of Helen being here. I wanted to talk about freedom. So I went back to the father of our country, George Washington, and he said, perseverance and spirit have done wonders in all ages. So that's in honor of you. Thank you. You are welcome. And Steve, are you ready now for the funnies? Okay. If I don't laugh, you're in trouble. Okay. I have three for you. You know, kids are back in school. So school learning. Little Stevie comes home from his first day at school, and his mom asks, what did you learn today? And Stevie replies, not enough. I have to go back tomorrow. And number two, Stevie's mom says, how did you find school today? And Stevie said, I simply hopped off the bus, and there it was. Now, I did like that one. <laughs> that, that one is good. Okay. And last one, a new teacher. Stevie, I think we need a new teacher. And Stevie's mom says, why is that? And Stevie says, our teacher doesn't know anything. She keeps asking us for the answers. For all of you that would like to know why it's now little Stevie is because Steve made fun of little Johnny. No, I didn't make fun of him. I just it just struck me as odd that all these analyses and these studies, <laughs> the subject is always little Johnny. Well, now we've changed it. It's now little Stevie. So, ladies, let's jump into some headlines here. The first one that I'd like to talk about, uh, this is from CPR.org. It says, normally the EPA makes the call to downgrade your ozone rating. Colorado is asking for it. Uh, Colorado took the unusual step of inviting the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to downgrade the air quality rating of the state's biggest population center, and not everyone thinks that it was a good idea. The EPA held a hearing on Friday on whether to lower the ozone status of Denver and eight other northern Colorado counties from moderate to serious. That would force the state, and you know, we're always talking about freedom versus force, force versus freedom. That would force the state to work harder to reduce harmful pollution by also bringing tougher and costly regulations for businesses. The agency expects to decide this by the end of the year. The EPA acted after Democrat Governor Jared Polis said in March that Colorado Colorado would no longer ask for an exemption from EPA standards by claiming some of the pollution was drifting into the state from elsewhere. He says it's time to stop sugarcoating Colorado's air problems. He said last month, moving to serious status finally helps us stop sweeping our air quality crisis under the rug and gives us additional tools to move urgently and make our air cleaner. But business groups say the state's own data shows Colorado would meet EPA standards if not for pollution from other states and even other continents. Lowering the air rating would hurt the economy by increasing the cost of doing business. Helen Raleigh, what do you think about this? Well, like you said, it, this is uh, disturbing. I mean, we lived in Colorado for more than 10 years and we loved the state because the beautiful weather and the clean, crispy air. And so, yes, I'm, I care deeply about the environment, but I don't, I'm not sure if what the state is doing is the, well, I know it's not the right thing that to use to force the, us to, to force the EPA to downgrade us. I mean, where's the business, you know, Basis case for, case scenario for that. Well, and you know the other thing about it is, is I feel that many times the data can be manipulated. Uh, my understanding is, is that where they they do these testing sites, that sometimes they're not, uh, you know, throughout the area. There's particular sites that may not be giving giving us a, a true reading. I see this again as this big 
kind of organized effort to continue to kind of guilt people into trying to not thrive and prosper. Uh, you know, when they talk about clean air, they imply that it was it was just within the last few years and because of, uh, you know, business, people driving their families um, you know, to soccer field, to soccer games or practices or whatever, you know, things that people like to do, going to their jobs. And there seems like they're trying to guilt everyday people into uh, not doing things that, that helps them thrive and flourish. There are trade-offs on things, but we have made our air so much cleaner than, say, just 20 years ago. Yes, and and the, here, even in the news pieces mentioned, even the Democrat governor, former governor Hickenlooper, asked, he asked for exemption because... Data, or we talk about data, right? Data shows that uh, their pollution came from elsewhere, like the California's, you know, forest fire smokes from elsewhere flowed into Colorado to push Colorado over the limit. So there are other sources that things not beyond Colorado's control. And this seems like the, the state government right now is trying to create a crisis when there's really no crisis. Well, and then if you can create a crisis, then you can use force to start to control uh, different businesses and and, uh, you pick winners and losers. You see that this particular administration is really in the business of picking winners and losers. And in fact, uh, speaking of that, you know, Senate Bill 181 that just came down the pike this last legislative session, which uh, really... Uh, look like a problem for new oil and gas development right here in Colorado. It looks like uh, things have started with a uh, Petro, a a little um, oil and gas firm just, uh, let's see, where is it at? A Colorado oil and gas company filed for bankruptcy, blaming the state's new regulations on development for collateral damage that has resulted in the deceleration in the industry and job losses. PetroShare said it filed petitions for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which requires reorganization to pay off creditors. Company officials directly linked the bankruptcy filing to Senate Bill 181, signed into law by Governor Jared Polis in April. They say the new Colorado regulatory environment governing oil and gas permitting in the state and the associated Uncertainty on rulemaking has made it very difficult to attract new capital investment in the sector, said PetroShare CEO Stephen J. Foley. We are filing a voluntary Chapter 11 petition in order to proceed with the orderly recapitalization or sale of some or all of our the company's assets and to continue to pay active vendors, suppliers, and other ongoing business expenses without interruption during the process. So what we see here is government policy is starting to shut down businesses. They talk about we want to have a vibrant uh, economy. But yet what they're doing is going to, um, you know, have a number of businesses shut down. People are going to lose their jobs. It's going to um, put downward pressure on uh, housing values. Uh, And so, you know, we're starting to see that play out. Uh, Helen, did you have a comment on that? Well, again, like you said, this is a reflection of the whole climate for the uh, climate change force is basically um, try to cry, create a crisis that is not there. I mean, we do. We all care about our cri- climate. We are doing a lot of things to take care of the climate, and there are things you know beyond our control. For example, you know, China re- is responsible for more than a quarter of the whole world, you know, emission the pollutions, and we're not doing anything about that. But here we're banning the plastic straws, we're telling people not to eat meat, you know, we really try to control every American's every aspect of their life, and it's a socialist movement that we really need to push back. It really is a socialist movement, and ultimately when we talk about freedom versus force, force versus freedom, 
ultimately, socialism comes down to force. And we need to remember that Nazi stands for the National Socialist German Workers' Party. And Venezuela, we, and once again, we've seen a very prosperous country because of public policy and force, as ultimately it hurts everyday hardworking people. And that has been really one of the beauties about the American ideas, the fact that we have had a vibrant middle class where just regular people uh, with the ability to actually, or the opportunity to keep most of the fruits of their labor, that they're able to go out and create businesses and to thrive and prosper. And uh, we're seeing force on all kinds of different issues. And uh, we're going to go to Annette Jewell here. Uh, And I think we'll go to break. And when we come back, Annette, you've had something that is, uh, you've been a a concerned citizen. And it takes a lot of time to be a concerned citizen, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Because there's all kinds of different, there's uh, uh, city council meetings or town council meetings. There's county commissioner meetings. And then you have all of these um, different commissions and councils. And that is moving us away from representative government to an administrative government where these are unelected bureaucrats or unelected um, volunteers sometimes that are making decisions regarding a variety of things. And so, so you can get sloughed off and say, well, that was over there at the planning commission or that was over there. And so for you to, to be on top of that, it has taken a lot of time for you, but you care a lot. And it's going to be really interesting to hear what you have to say. So let's go to break. Um, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk with Annette Jewell in the second segment regarding a rezoning of some property in your neighborhood. We'll be right back. At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dine for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. We are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. This segment, and we're going to talk with Annette Jewell. Annette, we've, well, we've been friends for a long time, haven't we? Yes, we have. And it's uh, great to have you here. Uh, you've been concerned about rezoning uh, that's been happening in your neighborhood. And the more research that I do, um, I've realized that uh, zoning laws, uh, ideally, they were, were put in place to kind of put in the rules of what, you know, what was going to happen in the neighborhood. And then people would buy property based on those zoning laws. But what I am seeing now, and after I read Blueprint Denver, 
that there will be an active movement by bureaucrats and politicians to use rezoning laws to start to craft neighborhoods the way that they want them to look instead of the way the neighbors, the community wants them to look. Am I kind of teeing this up a bit for you for what's happening out in your neck of the woods? I definitely think so, based on what's happening. So what's going on? Um, A couple of years ago, we had heard that based on a project of moving the Arapahoe Road Bridge to the west, that part of Valley Country Club would come out of the floodplain, allowing them to sell that land to rezone it for uh, some sort of a construction project versus being open space. So they started with conversations with the city of Centennial. Uh, The city was not uh, agreeing with some of their um, plans regarding sales tax and usage tax. They wanted some dispensation, and there were just conversations. Uh, It didn't go to plan. Now, is this with with the the Valley Country Club? This is with Valley Country Club. Uh, After years of conversation, it went from Mayor Noon to current Mayor Pico. Uh, They couldn't come to an agreement in how to uh, agree to how to rezone, I guess is the way to put it. And so... um, So now just backing up, so then the country club was asking for the rezoning that they would like, am I hearing maybe a cut of the sales tax or something? Yes, they had, um, the way it had been worded was they shot for the moon with the letter of request and it was um, two items of uh, sales tax and the other one was of uh, property taxes, if I recall, but I'd have to relook at my notes. Okay. But uh, there were things they wanted as an exception in the city of Centennial because they currently are an incorporated Arapahoe County, and the city of Centennial was not comfortable with what they were requesting. Okay. Um, from there, it, kind of at the same time, Valley Country Club also was discuss- in conversation with Arapahoe County to remain unincorporated uh, Arapahoe County and still develop the land. Arapahoe County would not get on board with residential because it's in the airport, Centennial Airport influence space, and they said they would be fine with an office building or commercial building, but not residential. And Valley Country Club, to sell the land for the most amount of money, high-density residential is number one for the highest land sale value. So now we're at the city of Aurora. This Wednesday, September 11th at 6 p.m., with planning and zoning uh, at the City of Aurora, they will hear this project to be annexed into the City of Aurora and rezoned MUC, which covers everything from commercial to high-density housing up to six stories. Okay. So that that seems a little out of place in in that particular area to have like a six-story apartment building out there. It's interesting because uh, Norris Design has drafted that it's a walkable area to Corner Star as well as Arapahoe Crossing. Uh, Both of those have to reach both of those. You must cross a state highway. One of them is Arapahoe Road. The other one is Parker Road. If you've ever been out in the area to walk that as a pedestrian, yes, there are crosswalks, but it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have many people who decide the red light doesn't apply and they will go through it or they'll block the intersection. Or, I mean, we've all seen that intersection. So to promote that as walkable, um, I went to when the annexation was initially introduced to City of Aurora. I spoke and asked the city council members to please, please drive out to this location, park their car and walk it. Because okay. it is very 
dangerous. Dangerous, mm-hmm. I think, to say this is a walkable area. One of the things we're also bringing up is where this location is, is uh, there's a light there at Chambers Way. That's the access point to Corner Star. It's the immediate light just west of Parker and Arapahoe Roads. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would also, uh, they have put in a request to CDOT to have a right-in, right-out turn lane, which is in the middle of the acceleration lane to come off of Helena and Parker to uh, ramp up speed to merge onto Arapahoe Road, uh, Helena and Arapahoe, excuse me. Um, so we were also discussing where are they going to put the bus stop? Mm-hmm. So there is no other road. It's Arapahoe Road. This is a landlocked area. As a matter of fact, um, planning and zoning uh, and City of Aurora through the MUC zoning states that there should be a residential street access. Well, there will not be one. This is a landlocked piece of land. And the, when I asked him about that, aspect of MUC. I now, was, what's MUC? Um, that would be the zoning code okay. under the city of Aurora. Okay. And um, under that code, like I said, it mentions that it should have a residential access point, not just an arterial. And so I questioned that. I said, well, how can you develop it? And they said, oh, you know, this would be an exception. So this code, the MUC code, was just approved by the city of Aurora. It's their brand new zoning. This would be one of the first projects under that zoning. And the first thing out of their mouth is this would be an exception because it's a landlocked piece of land. Well, you know, and you have to ask why. So it looks to me like, so is it Valley Cl- uh, Country Club and there's a developer, right? Yes, that's correct. And so they're they're kind of shopping around to try to get this rezoning so that they can put this particular building in place. First of all, if the Centennial Airport says that they're not comfortable with residential being there, it it seems somewhat um, irresponsible to go ahead and shop that someplace else. But the city of Aurora, let's think about that. What does this bring to them? That's what we keep asking. You know, what would it bring? Because they're going to have to have more police. They're going to, you know, have traffic mitigation. Uh, I, I don't quite understand what this brings to them. And I think I also find it a bit frustrating that it seems like this developer is kind of shopping these different um, municipalities or counties to try to get what they want. And, and it requires an exception. So, Helen, that goes to government picking winners and losers. Right. And, and that road I drove before, it's already congested as it is. It's one of the worst, you know, traffic congestion areas. And that just doesn't make any sense, especially with the airport so close. Why do you want to build a high rise so close to the airport? And it's interesting because when we talk with people, whether it's the airport or FEMA or anyone else, we've told they can advise against it, but they're not allowed to tell them no. And it's very frustrating because it's a 100-year floodplain. I have the new map, and one of the points of moving the Arapaho Road Bridge was that it would take it out of the 100-year floodplain. It did not. It will only remove it from the 100-year floodplain with fill dirt. So, again, they're going to have to bring in fill dirt. This is our backyard. Five homes will lose their open space, golf course, mountain views to a two, three, up to a six-story buildings. And that is changing the rules on those particular pieces of property. You know, those people had those piece, those, that property and within a certain, you know, rules. And now they're changing that and it will affect them. Um, I mean, there's, there seems something wrong about that. Right. Helen? Yeah, especially, you know, we're talking about environment, right? The best way to protect environment is strengthening private property rights. Correct. That's why, you know, when you see countries like United States where there's strong protection of private property rights, you have a better environment because people care about what's happening in their backyard. And I agree with you. And, and, and it's good that you're asking those council people to actually park their car to work there because now it's, we're falling into a decision that people do, who do not own property there actually are making decisions for people who are owning the property there. 
And it sounds like that's, those are, they're making the bad decisions. Well, it's interesting, too, because I talked with South Metro Fire, and uh, he said, oh, wait, 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 this would be Aurora Fire because it's the city of Aurora. And I said, well, that's true, but where the city of Aurora Fire Station is, you're the first response because the South Metro Fire Station is at Peoria and Arapahoe, just to the west of this. The Aurora Fire Station is a considerable distance. They are discussing about building another fire station, but at this point, that's not on the drawing board. It's also will be the Aurora Sheriff, excuse me, the Aurora Police, and it is the westernmost boundary of Aurora. So even though Rapho Road is Rapho County Sheriff, this development would fall under the Aurora Police Protection mm-hmm. District. And does this have any quote unquote affordable housing in it? Do you know? You know, we've heard one way or the other, Avalon Bay, who's the current um, developer, says they do luxury units. Um, when we spoke with them in 2018, a one bedroom was $1,100 rent. So, you know, not necessarily a luxury unit. That's going right in the Denver area. The other thing is we talked to, there's 1,345 either existing apartments in the area or proposed apartments in the area. And when I talked to each of the uh, complexes, the four that are in existence, one is being built. Um, They all still have vacancy. Uh, They have one, two, and three bedrooms. And the average occupancy is three people in a one-bedroom and seven people in a three-bedroom. So when you think of the occupancy rate in a 380-unit development that they're proposing, this potentially is thousands of people. Well, and when you have have all of these different elected officials, bureaucrats, and interested parties concerned about congestion of our roads, uh, this just seems like this is really irresponsible to think about putting another 380 units, you said, right in that particular area. (laughs) But I did, I was reading through Avalon Bay or, or something that you'd sent over, and it was it really kind of told what's going on here. And that is is this effort to urbanize our suburbs. That is what these planners are working to do is to urbanize our suburbs. And you bring in that many people, you're going to increase crime. So, um, Annette, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but there's a meeting that you would love to have people come and, you know, be there because I know you have done hours and hours and hours of work. And, uh, Uh, PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, they all get paid for the stuff that they're doing. You're not getting paid for this. And that's kind of what happens with liberty people many times is you have to take a stand, but it takes a lot of time. So what is happening on Wednesday night? Yes, this Wednesday, September 11th at the Aurora City Council Chamber um, uh, Center uh, Chambers, excuse me, uh, at 15151 East Alameda Parkway, 6 p.m., is the uh, planning and zoning meeting regarding this issue. And if people are in opposition, we would love for you to come. Um, We're going to ask whoever's in the audience to stand. Uh, You don't need to speak if you don't feel comfortable on the subject, but if you're in opposition of this high-density residential or even development of this open space uh, right near Parker and Arapahoe Roads, uh, your presence would be greatly appreciated. 6 p.m., the Aurora City Council Chamber uh, meeting room at 15151 East Alameda Parkway. And I just want to quickly say a number of my neighbors are working just as hard and diligently as I am uh, behind the scenes, talking with people, talking to the Cherry Creek Basin Water Authority. This is where this drains into. They've spent millions, to your point, Helen, Mm -hmm. cleaning up the water. And uh, this is where this floodway, um, the drainage is supposed to stay on site, but we know trash, dog feces, those type things do move off of paved sites and down Stream to the water. Mm. Okay. Well, Annette Jewell, thank you so much for shedding light on this. And again, that meeting is at the Aurora uh, City Chamber meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to go to break here in just a minute and uh, talk with Helen Raleigh about what's going on in Hong Kong. But uh, Jason McBride, how are you doing this morning? 
Oh, I'm just uh, fantastic. Hey, I came up with a new business idea I want to tell you guys about. What's that? Well, you remember that movie Home Alone? Uh-huh. Where the kid uh, made, like, the cutout figures dancing and stuff so the bad guys could look through the window and think there were people? Right. Yeah, I wouldn't pitch that idea to... Uh, the regional transportation district to use on the trains to make it look like there's a bunch of people on there. And, uh, yeah, they bit. They bit big time. You guys want to get in? I, I think so. I think that would be a very profitable business because, Stephen, you should have seen Steve just shook his head. When we drive over and look over at those empty trains, I know that there is a particular point in time, I think, that, that the West Line is full. It's like rush hour trains or whatever. But when you look at the expense, and once again, you know, they took traffic lanes to build that. People still went, and they're doing a whole listening tour. Did you know this? They're going to be, CDOT's going to be doing a listening tour throughout the state to find out how people want to move around. All you have to do is look at all the people that are voting, sitting in their cars, um, you know, trying to get from place to place. And then, of course, Annette's here talking about uh, that, that uh, you know, there's a proposal that's going to put 380 units in a place with a right in, right out, and you don't think that's going to create some congestion. But people are voting with their cars, I think. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that listening tour is going to have very uh, pre-well-thought-out questions that will get the answers that are desired. I wonder how they're getting there, too. I wonder if they're riding their bikes all over the state for that I listening tour. I, I guess I'm in a snarky mood this morning, Jason. But uh, speaking, speaking of well, government or whatever, I, I saw this headline, and then you mentioned it about uh, Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell was at this forum in Switzerland. And so what, what is he opining about? Well, he's, he, he opines quite a bit, uh, sometimes to the detriment, I think, of the markets and stability of things. But uh, he said they're not forecasting or expecting a recession. Now, he seems to be about the only one on the face of the planet at this time. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Fed hasn't exactly been accurate at predicting things. But that's not their job, Kim. You know, when the, this is the problem, when they're uh, predicting things, whether they're forecasting a recession or not, you know, they shouldn't be jawboning so much. I mean, their, their job is to kind of their core mission is to foster stability. And when they're making predictions left and right and uh, half of them are wrong all the time, just like the average person, you know, that, that undermines that core mission to foster stability. Uh, And right now, the uh, commodities market exchange, they have a tool that watches, or I'm sorry, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange has a tool that predicts the chances of a rate cut. Uh, Right now, they think there's going to be about a 91% chance of a quarter point cut at the meeting later this month. So we'll see, you know, if that turns out to be right. Last time they kind of got fooled. Uh, But, yeah, the market's hoping for a rate cut. Uh, We've had a couple of economic indicators recently that were a little weaker than expected. I don't know if we need a rate cut because of them, but the market is sure looking forward to it. Okay. And uh, uh, we'll get to talk a lot more about this tomorrow. You're going to be my in-studio guest tomorrow, and it's going to be a very interesting conversation about hush puppy shoes. I I think that that'll be really interesting. Yeah, well... uh, 
I'll save it for tomorrow. But, uh, you know, Stuart Varney kind of schooled that guy, I thought, in the morning. And, uh, well, you know, I don't want to steal our own thunder, so I'll just be quiet. I know it's hard. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> well, it'll be most interesting. Steve is going to have that whole little soundbite ready, and we're going to dissect that tomorrow morning. So, Jason, thanks so much, and we'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow in, in studio. Okay, I'll see you bright and early. Sounds great. And uh, we're going to go to break when we come back. Helen Raleigh, uh, this piece that you've done in The Federalist, Hong Kong's withdrawal of the extradition bill leaves many questions unanswered. I mean, you've been watching this. You grew up in China, and so this is all near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, you are one of the most um, um, supportive people that I know of the American idea. And uh, so let's go to break. When we come back, let's hear what you have to say on this. Thank you. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have a conversation with Helen Raleigh. Helen, uh, Wednesday morning uh, over in Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong Chief Carrie Lam announced a formal withdrawal of the extradition bill that prompted more than three months of protests for freedom. And the next morning, you had this peace out. How did you do that? <laughs> I guess if you care about something that you're thinking about it, then you have something to say. Yeah. And so in many ways, I, when I saw that, I thought, ah, oh, this is great. However, you're like, can she be trusted? Yeah. Well, her her action really reads a lot of questions. The first question is what you're asking is, can we trust her, uh, Carrie Lam? Because um, back in June, after two million people peacefully protested against the extradition bill in Hong Kong, Carrie Lam came out, gave two 
a version, one in English, one in Chinese announcement, basically say the bill is suspended. Mm-hmm. And then in English, she even used a stronger word to say the bill is dead. So that kind of gave the illusion because the protester want the bill to withdraw. So kind of give the illusion somehow she compromised and backed away. But quickly, right after she made those statements, the protesters immediately, people who are very familiar with the laws mm-hmm. in Hong Kong said, there's no such thing as a dead bill. Mm-hmm. So basically, you either withdraw the bill or the bill is basically dormanted. And anyone, any legislators, including Carrie Liam herself, can easily bring the bill back within only 12 days notice. You know, Helen, when I was on city council, I saw this strategy as well, that uh, many times if there might be something that might be somewhat controversial, you'd see PBIs, the politicians, bureaucrats, interested parties pull it because, say, you might have a lot of people that showed up for something because they really care about it, Annette. And and then the uh, the PBIs realize that, oh, my gosh, we're getting a lot of press here. There's a lot of people that are interested. So we'll just put it on the back burner mm-hmm. and then they bring it back. And my gosh, for people to get re you know reorganized, yes. it takes a lot. So somebody realized that they needed to make sure that this was totally withdrawn. Yes, that's always be the protest. The first demand they have five demands, but the first demand is a complete withdrawal of the bill to make sure the bill will never get reintroduced again. Mm-hmm. So finally, after more than three months protest, Carrie Lam finally, you know, backed away to say that they're going to withdraw the bill. But still, because her previous records, and also we know that she's really a puppet of the, by Beijing, so mm-hmm. she can't really make a decision. So that's why people say, well, can, we, can she really be trusted? Is this another words gymnastic that she's trying to play, mm-hmm. you know, try to temper the situation down? Because uh, uh, China's, uh, the Communist China's founding birthday is coming up, it's October 1st. So everybody's wondering that uh, is this is her this, her this her strategy try to temporarily temper down the the movement and to create a like a peaceful illusion for the upcoming mm-hmm. of funding anniversary of communist china so that's the first question so it was 70 years ago that communist china came into being right yes. and if i remember right back then well and you lived there Mm-hmm. I mean, your story is an amazing one that, uh, I mean, I, a couple of things. I remember that you said that your Chinese name could be either male or female. And, and the, company, the family got rations of food. And little boys got a little bit more food than little girls. And so because the government thought that you were a little boy, your family got a little extra rice and, and all. Yeah. When they found out you were a little girl, they made your family pay that back. I mean, you guys went hungry. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, if people want to know more about how real life happens, you know, under socialism, the real sufferings, the miseries, you know, I encourage them to read my book, Confucius Never Said. It's really about four generations of my family. My experience, Kim, is not the worst. You know, what happened to my great grandparents and happened to my grandparents and my parents are, are a lot, lot worse than what I have experienced. Well, and my understanding is, is when Mao came into being or Mao came into power, uh, that they actually, if you, I mean, they killed many people. Like if you wore glasses, they would think that, well, that means that they might be a thinking person. Therefore, we don't want to have them. And so they just went out and killed people. Well, that's actually happened in Cambodia. 
that oh okay but in, but but Mao is responsible he is personally responsible for uh, at least 30 million deaths because because his mem- his uh, socialist economic policies that uh, created a uh, famine a fam- famine within 3 years an estimated 20 million chinese people died of starvation because of public policy and that's because what happened with Stalin also yes okay well, let's uh, let's continue on there. It's it's pretty amazing that it's been across the the spectrum. It's been students and teachers and professionals that were uh, protesting this. But there's several things going on, and, and uh, let's try to break this. How are we doing on time? Let's break this down. You say in the piece that perhaps this trade war is actually hurting China. Oh, it's, it, it does. Actually, this morning that the Wall Street Journal just have another article say, don't believe China's official data because China's official data shows the Chinese economy is still growing at the 6.2%, which is really good GDP growth rate. But the actual numbers are uh, a lot worse. And, and also I, I learned from the tweeters, somebody who's on the ground in China actually presented pictures of the food coupons. The food coupon came I grew up with, mm-hmm. which is for food ration. You know, to limit the you know distribution of food because there's a food shortage. Those coupons I grew up with, like from 30 years ago, now is resurfaced because because the trade war and also because there's a swine flu that uh, China has now experienced one of the worst uh, food shortage in terms, especially pork, because China is the largest um, country that consumption food cons- consume f- pork. Chinese people love to eat pork, so now there's a pork shortage. The shortage is so bad that the government reissued food coupons to limit how many meat, how much meat you can buy. On each household. Okay, so what do you think about this trade war, then, Helen? What do you think? Oh, this is a layered question. I think it's, um, you know, I'm a free market thinker. I generally think that trade tariff is a bad idea. I love free trade, um, but I also do agree that the free trade needs to be a fair trade. And I think what did the president had to do now, basically use a tariff and start a trade war, is because the previous. Uh, um, Presidents, you know, starting from both from both sides, Democrats and Republicans, they their China policy has failed, which lead us because their approach was always be, you know, if we economically engage China, if we involve in free trade, open our markets to them, they're gonna become more like us. They're gonna become more democratic. They're gonna be, you know, become more open market. And that policy lasted for thirty years, and it turns out that policy has failed. So China now today is a a much more powerful authoritarian and expanding its global geo geopolitical influence and seriously challenging America's, especially the liberal world order set by led by America since the Second World War, which guaranteed the liberty and the freedom for majority of the world for the last seventy years. Mm-hmm. And China is now has the economic and military power to serious, seriously challenging that liberal world order and. As a re- that's really a result of our failed economic policies. So it's almost like we don't have much many tools left in our toolbox, and the trade war and the tariff is one one of the few tools that the president had to use in order to basically put China on notice to say you cannot continue going this way. You know, you need to play with mm-hmm. the international rule and you know keep open market. Well, and many of the politicians and pundits are implying that there has been. Uh, free and fair trade with with China, and uh, in essence, when we'll be talking with um, Bill Roth, who's been in the steel business, we'll talk with him on 
uh, Wednesday that, and there was an, a piece out just recently about uh, basically China dumping their steel over here, which is undercutting mm-hmm. you know, our industry. So there may be free trade, but it's not fair trade because you have the, gov- the Chinese government that's coming in and subsidizing different industries and then allowing them to come in and undercut our industries. And that's not fair. It's not, it's not fair, and it's definitely hurt our industries, and also it's basically jeopardized this uh, free trade system that the United States has been leading and really benefits China a great deal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, China, China's economic boom, everybody's, you know, amazed by China's economic boom. And, you know, a lot of those have to do with the Chinese people's industrialists and hardworking. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know, we don't get enough credit. America and the West it doesn't, you know, get enough credit for providing the markets, you know, help uh, open up the universities and the schools to help train generations of young Chinese with, you know, technology and the information to help train them so they can bring those informations back to the United States to help build the economy and also open up our markets and also also send them, you know, with foreign direct investment to help them build the factory, you know, everything. So the West haven't get in, haven't get enough credit for helping China to grow, the, to have today's prosperity. It's because, you know, the rest of us believe in free trade, haven't been approaching help them build that economy. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, let's go to break. This is absolutely so important and so interesting. And then I do want to get back to your piece uh, regarding this whole extra, extradition bill, because it seems like from a political standpoint, China may be playing the protesters mm-hmm. a little bit. And so uh, that's that's pretty important to understand as well. So this is Kim Munson in studio as Annette Jewell, Helen Raleigh. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. This week at the 88 Drive-In, keep your windows rolled up and your vehicles locked because things are about to get creepy. Friday the 6th through Thursday the 12th, see three scary movies for $9. It, It Chapter 2, and Scary Stories. Monday through Thursday, get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot along with two 16-ounce sodas, all for only $12. Plus, new this week, sip on some hot apple cider along with a sweet, crunchy churro. We're open seven days a week so get directions now on the 88 drive-in facebook page or 88drivein.net hey welcome back i am kim munson we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left agree or disagree let's have a conversation and when we look at this it's in the context of freedom versus force force versus freedom and uh, Annette, Jewel, it's great to have you in studio. That was a great second segment regarding you being a watchdog on what's happening out in your neighborhood. And Helen Raleigh, uh, this important piece about the Hong Kong protesters. But during the break, you did an amazing contrast that I think people need to hear. So go ahead and, and uh, please share that about safe spaces. <laughs> right. So I, would, I was just thinking about the 
there's like a universal agreement. What happened to Hong Kong? The Hong Kong young protesters are so inspiring, and I can't help thinking what happened in the West compared to youth in Hong Kong. Com- Compare them to the youth in the West,、mm-hmm. right? In Hong Kong, safe space to the youth means they need to actually find a physical place to hide from police's tear gas, their club, and the rubber bullets. And he, in here, our youth want a safe space to avoid the ideas that may challenge their thinking. Right, and in Hong Kong, you have those young people waving American flag or British flag. They want to embrace. Uh, capitalism. They want embrace more Western culture, and here we have our colleges and universities dominated by ideas that we need to cancel Western culture. Somehow, Western culture is evil, and over there you have young people are standing up against the communist authoritarian. They do they reject communism, they reject socialism. Here, you know, over half the. At least half our young people's embracing socialism. They want more of it. So you, when you put those two contrasts there, you know, you, I just find that what's happening in Hong Kong is more inspiring, and we really need to talk. This is one of the reasons we really need to talk about more. When we especially see our young people here have the freedom and the liberty to make a choice, and they choose authoritarian, they choose social, they choose something, an ideology that has failed. Everywhere it's being implemented has is responsible for over a hundred million deaths. And here you have young people, their same age, probably share the same fashion taste, share their same music, loving the same kind of music. Yet over there, they're fighting for their basic rights. And I just think we need to. This is one of the reasons we need to talk about more why it's so important. We should care about what's happening over there. Well, and I know it's. I mean, you're watching this so closely. Uh, and uh, the, uh, my understanding is these young people been, have been reading the Declaration of Independence,、yes. our Constitution, and singing American anthem. Yeah, it's it's all it's almost a crime, Helen. What has been going on in our colleges and universities? I was going through the、uh, budget for Colorado because you know we're going to see this real assault on Tabor, our taxpayers' bill of rights. Which has been something that, as Steve always mentions, it it、um, has transparency of government, and it basically says to government、uh, and PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, if you want to raise our taxes, if you want to keep our tax refunds, and we'll give you、uh, growth. We're going to give you a very、uh, generous formula of inflation plus population. If you want to keep our tax refunds above that, or if you want to incur debt that we have to pay off, you just have to ask us. Exactly. The, the, the anti-Tabor people try to try to promote this as a law somehow restricted the growth and the prosperity here. That's not the case. All they have to do just ask, make a case. Right, we're reasonable people. If they can make a reasonable case, a logical case, to say here's the reason why we need to raise your money, and you know people will vote for it. But the the other thing, and I was reading、um, just yesterday, I was going through the budget because I'm trying to get my brain around this and the proposed budget. For 2020 here in Colorado, I think 14 percent of the budget goes to higher education, and I have to ask why are we using government money to、uh, pay, you know, all these different left wing radical professors that don't like America uh, to uh, be using government money to put forth those ideas? I mean, it's brilliant in a di- diabolical way to use force to take money from. Annette to take money from you, Helen, and to take money from me, Steve, and then use that money to push forward ideas that、uh, we totally disagree with. It's diabolical, right? And still keep raising the 
and keep rising the uh, uh, tuition, situation, tuition, yeah, still make it unaffordable for a lot of family. And then their solution is let's just raise more, you know, charge more money and raise, raise more taxes. And just it's just a bad cycle. Right. And, and encourage these kids to take student loans out that they can never pay back. Right. And, and um, anyway, we need to make sure that we get back to this. There's so many things to talk about. Let's finish this up, though. Your piece on the Federalist. This is, uh, you've mentioned that there were five different requests that uh, the students and and the protesters have asked about. Only one of them has has changed, and that's the withdrawal of this extradition bill. But this could create some uh, discontent within the protest movement. Right, because so far the uh, protest movement is widely supported, as you mentioned, you know, people from all walks of life in Hong Kong, you know, civil servants, lawyers, doctors, business owners, workers, teachers, students all showed up to support. That's that's what made up two million people. So, you know, the movement has lasted for more than three months. As you mentioned earlier, right, people have to get back to their their own lives. Mm-hmm. And so, so some people may take the withdrawal of the bill as a win success. and say, I want, yeah, as a success to say, well, we need to get back to our lives. But there are the demands on there because this movement has expanded. The goal has expanded. It's not just about the bill anymore. It's about the freedom and liberty for people in Hong Kong. So they're also asking for investigation of police brutality because there are terrible, uh, very disturbing images of bru- uh, police brutality against peaceful protesters. And they're also asking for, um, you know, release the protester who's been arrested under the uh, accusation of riots. Because in Hong Kong, if you're accused of rioting, you're subject to five to 10 years jail time. Wow. Um, we're talking about the kids as young as 16, you know, spent wow. the formidable years in jail. Mm-hmm. They will ruin their life, basically. Mm-hmm. And then there also, the, one of the demand is uh, also Hong Kongers asking for universal suffrage because they want to be able to vote their representative directly and hold them accountable. And this is something actually China agreed to under the one country, two system agreement since 1948, uh, since ni- uh, 1984, that agreement. And China has rejected that since 2014. And that's when the youth in Hong Kong started an umbrella movement back in 2014. And that one lasted for 70 days. And eventually, just, you know, they lost the public support because people got tired of it. They went mm-hmm. back to their life mm-hmm. and the movement dialed down. So this is why people who are care about Hong Kong so concerning that this withdrawal bill, um, the, this action to withdraw the bill is an, a sugar-coated poison pill. Basically, want to divide the protesters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they can divide them, just let the movement fall apart, that would be a dream scenario for Hong Kong authorities and the Chinese government. So, Helen, what do you think is going to happen? Do you have an idea? I don't know. I don't want to think about it because... Um, Unfortunately, I think when the United Kingdom signed the agreement, uh, handed Hong Kong back to China, kind of sealed Hong Kong's fate. And wasn't that 100 years ago when they did that? Or when did they do that? Um, They took over Hong Kong uh, uh, more than 100 years ago. Okay. So, but was that agreement signed before Mao or after? Oh, the agreement, oh, the, the handover agreement was signed out way after Mao. It was in 1984. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, under Madam Thatcher and the Chinese leader, Deng Xiaoping. Okay. And um, wh- why did Maggie do that? Do we know? Yeah, well, so it was a, it was a lot of uh, 
combination of things. And one thing is, uh, she shared the she shared the same thought that the United States, you know, presence United States back then shared the similar thoughts that uh, if you engage in China economically, and somehow eventually China will change to become more like us. So that's one thing. And the second thing was uh, they hope that Hong Kong's economic system, uh, the prosperity in Hong Kong, will influence China to be, want to be more like Hong Kong. That apparently failed. And and the third thing was that back then in the in the seventies and early eighties, there was a worldwide、uh, colonial movement. Many colonies want to wanted to regain their independent、mm-hmm, freedom,、mm-hmm. you know, independence and freedom. So there is a global movement, and the United Kingdom economically was on the way. Going down,、mm-hmm. so they they didn't feel like they have enough resources to take care of all the colonies. So there was a lot of there were a lot of reasons, but it's definitely a miscalculation、um, in the、U- United Kingdom side. And right now we're seeing them. You know, Hong Kong people are fighting for their freedom, and the United Kingdom cannot even their parliament can't even get their act together. They openly cl- declare war. On people, basically, they try to prevent the Prime Minister Boris Johnson from take Brexit, from carry out the Brexit as the people voted three years ago. So basically, what the Parliament is doing is openly declare war against the people. Well, it seems like we're seeing a, a lot of that going around, but the people are rising up, and so we need to take a lot of heart from the people in in Hong Kong that they are standing up. And so, our quote for today again: I'm thinking of you, Helen, and, and thinking of freedom. And that's George Washington. He says, "Liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth." So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. And tomorrow we will have Jason McBride in studio. You won't want to miss that.